0: Welcome to another great episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast with your hosts Ugo Chay and Ralph Velasco. Hi, Ralph. How are you doing today?
1: Hey there, Ugo. I'm doing very well, thank you. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing good. I'm uh, getting ready to to travel to Venice. I'll be there next week. Actually, when this episode airs, uh, uh, my Venice Carnival workshop will be in the past. I'm sure we'll. Uh, have had a lot of fun, but maybe we'll talk about it in uh, one of the next episodes. And what about you? Are you home in Chicago now?
1: I am, uh, briefly, uh, actually here for about 10 days. <laughs> and then uh, I've been doing the, the first quarter of the year, I typically do the travel show circuit where I speak at the different travel shows around the country, the U.S. Uh, just did New York this past weekend and, uh, next weekend is Chicago. So we'll be in my hometown, but I will be uh, staying at a hotel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. And then after that, I've got LA or excuse me, uh, San Francisco. And then, uh, something new that I'm doing, I'm, I'm, uh, it's relatively new. I've done it. I did it one time in the past as uh, reunions for my groups. Uh, so for my photo enrichment, alumni people that have been on trips with me before I put together these reunions and they've been in Southern California and Chicago where I've got a bigger base and that's something really fun and, and you might want to consider that doing that someday Hugo if you've got your people in hmm. one area uh, but what a great way to get past clients together and uh, just catching up with people and I do a slideshow during it it's really fun it's a great great time.
0: Oh, great idea. I didn't think of that. I consider it definitely.
1: Yeah, it's really nice.
0: So you've got any more long-range tours coming up in the near future?
1: Yeah, so I've got uh, my Cuba trips coming right around the corner in March 10th. I've got a couple spots left on that. I don't know if they'll be available by the time this episode comes out. But uh, also Morocco, a few spots left on it. Spain, I'm planning to do some scouting uh, still working on my schedule scouting either armenia, greece and or portugal and uh, and then i've taken june and july for the most part uh, i'll be back in chicago and then i get into the fall travel season with romania, india and vietnam and uh, maybe a scouting trip or two then
0: when are you doing How about yourself when are you oh, doing morocco,
1: morocco? Morocco is, uh, I want to say, April 25th through Mm. May 9th or so. So end of April, early May this year. It's typically when we go. It's a real nice time of year to be
0: there. Yeah, absolutely. I've always... Two times I've been to Morocco, it's always been in the spring. Well, it was actually more like March. It was pretty cold. I mean, you you would not think about African country. (laughs) You go there in March and it was actually quite cold, but it was uh, still very nice. I can imagine that April is going to be wonderful. Actually, uh, just yesterday on Facebook, I shared a photo I took in Morocco a few years ago. I think it was three years ago. And one of my ex-alumni uh, just left a comment and said, you should take a group there to Morocco. And I said, sure, I would love to. So maybe one day I will. Actually, in, uh, when you're being there in April, I'll be uh, in Sardinia. Where mm. I'm going to, to lead a tour there with a friend. Uh, before that, I've got a, a workshop in Milan at the end of, uh, well, end of March, beginning of April. And then... Uh, the Cinque Terre in beginning of May. These are my wow,
1: fantastic!
0: My upcoming trips. So, yep, uh, everybody, welcome to check out my tours page, ucphoto.me/tours, and find out all the details about those. About your your pages, where they, where can people find about your tours?
1: Yeah, so people can go to photoenrichment.com and look for the Tours tab and then hover your mouse over it and all the tours drop down. And I think I've got eight or nine this year and I'm just working on 2019 calendar as we speak. So looking forward to some uh, great trips next year as well.
0: Great. So let's delve into this episode, which is going to be a little special. We don't have a guest this time. We don't have an interview. Uh, We're going to do, uh, we thought that, we would be talking a little bit about uh, tips. I mean, about suggestions for people. We had uh, we receive emails, uh, comments on our on our social media posts, and sometimes people ask questions. So we thought we would collect some some of those and uh, and try to to give some suggestions on how to capture great travel photos, uh, especially since you, Ralph, are currently doing a series of webinars on that topic. So, of course, people are welcome to to attend them. And I think there's uh, there's one coming up pretty soon, right now?
1: Yeah, Tuesday, February 20th at 8 p.m. Central Time in the U.S., I will be doing... A complete webinar so what we're going to talk about today is based on the information in that webinar and it's actually uh, very similar to the presentation that I'm doing at all the travel shows I mentioned earlier and uh, you know a lot of people can't get to these shows they're not located in those cities where I'm doing it so I thought I'd put it out there online and get that information to people that that can't show up to the travel shows, and so we thought we'd just kind of do a real high level overview of that today. But the full webinar will be f- Tuesday, February twentieth.
0: Uh, is there already a registration page, or will there be one?
1: Yes, and I will uh, put that link in the show notes for sure, so people can register for it.
0: Okay, so this will this this episode here will maybe wet. Our listeners' appetite. Yeah. I'm pretty sure your webinar is going to be much more extended. Much more. There's going to be a yeah. slideshow with images. Of course, mm-hmm. this is an audio podcast We're, we'll not be able to show images here, but we will uh, put some sample images in the in the show notes for for people to to check out. So uh, I was uh, just looking at your uh, at your slides uh, and trying to find some, some topics to, to discuss and also using the the, the questions that our listeners uh, ask us from, from time to time. And one of the uh, the things that you always suggest is to have a, a short list. So, so what is a short list in practice, and why do you think it's important?
1: sure um I'm a big proponent of working from a shot list, and uh that uh, a shot list is simply a list of the types of shots or categories or genres of photography that you should be on the lookout for in a destination and samples might be uh, low hanging fruit would be architecture people food monuments things like that those are uh you know the types of categories or genres that most people are photographing when they're in a place. Uh, other lesser known might be uh, details, interiors, night scenes, um, things like that, uh, what people are wearing that's distinctive to the place. So uh, the idea is that the more you know what you're looking for, the more you're likely to recognize it when you actually see it. And it's, uh, there's another sort of term might be pre-visualization. Uh, although typically I've, you know, I've used that as more, you know, you visualize an actual shot, you pre-visualize it, and then you sort of create it. But this is, uh, you know, knowing what you're looking for in advance of actually seeing it.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great suggestion because sometimes I struggle myself. Uh, I go to to some place and I take tons of photos, and then I, I come home and I realize that maybe I've taken maybe too many photos of a certain type of subject and not even a single one of another one because it didn't occur to me. I was maybe taken up by a specific... I mean, I can go to... uh, We mentioned Morocco and I could shot a lot of uh, people shots and so on, but not taking much uh, uh, landscape or architecture there. So coming home, I realized I don't have many of those and it's. I always try to... Come home with a, a variety of subjects, and having a, a list in mind, I think it it helps a lot, right? So you also have a, yeah. an app for that.
1: Yeah, I created an app. Jeez, uh, it's got to be seven, eight years ago now, and it's only available on iOS devices. But it's called My Shot Lists for Travel. And in it I have put 52 categories of a shot list some of the more obvious ones some less obvious ones there's probably hundreds of different categories that you could think of but I chose to put 52 I figured if you work on one a week for a year you'd have a a really nice well-rounded portfolio of images now chances are any destination you go to is uh, not going to have all 52 categories so maybe you use 30 out of the 52 and if you get five solid images in each category you've got 150 images that tell the story of the place uh, as travel photographers were storytellers and uh, the idea is to bring back images that that give the viewers of our photography a sense of the place and so that's the idea. As travel photographers, we need to be uh, a jack of all genres, master of some. Uh, you know, if you're a landscape photographer, you just concentrate on landscape. You're a people photographer, a portrait photographer. You you just shoot, you know, people photography. But as a travel photographer, you need to bring back variety that tells yeah. the story.
0: Yeah, so it's the story that tells variety. I mean, to, to go beyond... Uh... Postcard shot of an awesome place. You need to to show it from different angles and and so on, right? So that's, that's right. what that's what you mean, I think. Yep. Um, another looking at the one of the titles of your uh, sections in your presentation would be the the power of one. And I was uh, uh, trying to understand what you mean by the power of one. Can you explain a little bit more?
1: Yeah, I I know that uh, oftentimes when I'm standing with a group and we're photographing something and uh, someone will walk into the scene and oftentimes I'll hear someone in the group say, oh, I'm just going to wait until that person leaves and more often than not i like to have that one person in the shot and it's those obvious things like it provides a a sense of scale Uh, it provides what i call a human touch and so instead of just that blank you know it might even be the most beautiful landscape in the world but if you've got that one person there or it could even be something like a truck or an animal, or something. I call it a human touch, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a human. But uh, I, I look for opportunities where there's that one person, and it could be in a big landscape, or it could be in a smaller, uh, you know, room or somewhere. But uh, to me, it gives the viewers, the viewer, somewhere t- for their eye to land and then bounce around the image, and sort of come back. And also makes them think, you know, how'd that person get there? What's that person doing there? What's it like to be there? I wish I was there.
0: Yeah, if I may add something, I sometimes see photos where the uh, lone human subject is maybe a tourist with a backpack checking their cell phone and so on. And that's a situation where I personally would wait for the person to go out of the frame. I mean, if, if it has to be a subject, it has to be interesting maybe telling the story of the place uh, a local or something like that tourists with backpacks are all over the world that not really interesting at least to me I don't know if you agree with that
1: no uh, it's a good point Uh, but sometimes you may want to show the contrast of this incredibly Mm -hmm. beautiful scene and some tourists you know looking at their phone so that might be a part of the story but I know what you're saying Uh, I much prefer to you know if I'm in Bhutan To have you know that man there in the traditional go or a woman there in the traditional Kira than some backpacker with a cell phone for sure but you know it it depends Uh, you know when I look at the scene I can determine that but more often than not I'm gonna prefer the local for sure that's why I like to get out early stay out late because especially get out early because that's when it's the kids on their way to school the people on their way to work and very few, if any, tourists at that time of day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would be interesting to show somebody with a suit and a cell phone to the year in the middle of the Amazon jungle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yep. would definitely be interesting, but that would be totally... I mean, that that doesn't happen, would be completely uh, set up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just kidding. I um, don't know. Uh, another thing that uh, some, some people... Uh, uh, are asking is, uh, uh, I I want to have kind of a a thread going through my photos. Uh, so can you suggest maybe some themes, some ideas that people can, can use to, to have a series of images that are some, somehow tied together and tell a single story or different aspects of a story?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really big on, uh, with my, my, uh, clients when we're on a trip at the beginning of the trip I ask everyone to have a theme in mind and they might know it right then and there because some people have ongoing themes that they photographed over the years Uh, I have one uh, that I simply call people reading newspapers and it started maybe five six years ago when I got a series of images in Kathmandu Nepal Of people reading newspapers and it was all in the same area within maybe 30 45 minutes and there were just all these people reading newspapers and I I got some pretty nice shots of them and then I just started looking for that all over the world and so that's an ongoing theme but some other themes uh, that I've had people choose in the past are simply the color red or hands or people at work uh, bicycles Room sticks. You know, it could be anything that interests you. And then everyone tells the group what their theme is. And sometimes it presents itself over several days. So I don't force everyone to have a theme right then and there. But uh, I do ask them a couple days into the trip, "Have you guys thought about your theme?" And and then uh, you know people will say what their theme is. And you know when I tell people that my, I've got this people reading newspapers theme. I can guarantee you, we're walking down the street and one of my people sees someone reading a newspaper, they're going to point it out to me. It's in their head. Uh, Someone says, you know, my theme is hands and I see someone, you know, working, a craftsman or something, they've got interesting hands, you know, I'll say, hey, Mary, this would be a great opportunity for your hands theme, et cetera. And so everyone starts, the more you know what you're looking for, the more you're going to recognize it when you see it. uh, kind of like with that shot list idea
0: yeah ties very much into that and i think the important thing here is that with with a theme in mind or a list of subjects uh, you're actively looking for picture opportunities you're not just seeing them you know just oh see something nice i'll take a photo of it I'll, i'll go looking for it and i think that will definitely increase anyone's rate of keepers
1: i i agree and it's a good point and i um I've had a presentation in the past and I'm going to work on it in the future, but uh, some uh, there's a big difference between looking at something and seeing something and uh, It's a it's a good point and I, I think that oftentimes we just look around But we're not actually seeing and learning to see is really important and I and I I say that my mother who's never picked up a camera in her life taught me the best Skill I could have as a photographer and that's simply to be curious and to notice things and so that has helped me immensely as I su- i'm sure it has you and our audience when it comes to looking versus seeing
0: oh uh, yeah uh, another suggestion that i would give uh, if people are sometimes struggling to, to find interesting subjects and so they don't know what to focus on is to spend some time going around a place like a city without a camera right i mean it's uh it can mean some lost opportunities, but if something really interesting happens, I mean you don't have to go out of your hotel without a camera. You can keep it in your in your bag. But just take just learn to observe. Learn to because sometimes we always look through the viewfinder. And the vision through the viewfinder is uh, is limited. You get like tunnel vision. You you going around for a while, maybe for one hour in the morning, learning to, to recognize how things happen, how people relate to each other, how the life goes on in the city, and everything. we you got this wonderful binocular, almost 180 degree vision around you, which allows you to see things that you, if you're constantly looking through the viewfinder and thinking in terms of photo, you, you risk missing. So I think that's that can be a useful exercise. I don't know if you agree uh, once in a while.
1: No, absolutely. And and I'm I'm huge uh, about telling my people don't go through this whole trip with your eye to the viewfinder mm. uh, You know travel photography is made up of two words I sp- say spend as much time traveling as you are photographing and Absorbing and don't feel like you have to have that camera around your neck all the time You know get in and 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 and, and capture those experiences just with your mind's eye. Don't feel like the pressure of having to capture it with your camera all the time. Cause I think it takes away from the travel experience.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's all about the experience in the end, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> photos are a way to, to remind us of that experience, to remember that experience, but without the experience, those photos are, uh, I mean, to us, not really worthwhile of course mm-hmm. you can go around on assignment if you're a reporter and so on and you need to bring home images for a client but if like most people they go around on vacation they, they take photos for themselves for their families so uh, the photos to me should be a memory of an experience if you only have the photos and you've missed the experience they're not worth much
1: right, right okay
0: another thing is uh, when we only look through the viewfinder, we risk focusing our attention completely on our main subject, and we don't pay enough attention to what 's on the what 's in the background right
1: yeah i i'm uh, I, I give three tips at the beginning of our trips, and number one is to watch your backgrounds. Uh, oftentimes we're completely focused on whatever the subject is and we forget what's going on behind and oftentimes in front of our subject that is either taking away from the photograph where, you know, maybe it's a, you know, that proverbial telephone pole sticking out of the person's head. We're so focused on the person we don't realize, uh, you know, that this is happening in the background until we look at the photograph later. Uh, Sometimes we're a little nervous. We don't want to take people's time, you know, if it's a local person or something, and we're we're kind of rushing a little bit, and we forget to look deeper into the scene. Uh, Another, so you could just move a little bit to maybe, you know, if you just move up or down or in or out, you can uh, block that, that tree or whatever it is in the background with the person's head, maybe, or you could take a step to the left or right and reveal something in the background that adds to the scene that makes it more of an environmental portrait not just this person's head but it might be that tuareg tribesman in the sahara desert and then there's a camel uh, with a wonderful shadow crossing the dune in the background and i think those layers uh, are something that i'm always looking for
0: yeah and it's important that people need to be Conscious, Consciously think about that, because it's so, it's so easy to bring the camera to the eye, look at the main subject, and our brain works in this uh, uh, strange way that we, we see something, we focus on that, and we don't see what else is, uh, is around it sometimes. And when you, when you see the photo, then you immediately see it, and you say, "Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it, it takes attention, right?
1: Yeah, and it's something that comes with experience yeah. too and we all did it early in our careers, but I think the more that you learn to see this way, the the better you'll get at noticing those things when you're in the location. And I uh, you know, I'm with my groups and I'm helping people and they'll take a shot and I'll ask them if I can look at it or I'll see it just from where I'm standing from, you know, their perspective. I says, "Well, you know, do you notice that this person is up against This really busy background. If you just take a step or two to left or right, now you can, you know, that perspective changes, and now that person is against a a cleaner background that adds to the shot, doesn't take away from it.
0: Yeah, I had this experience recently when I went to Oman. We were in this market in a city called Nizwa, and they have a section of the market where there are people are uh, trading arms trading rifles and uh, daggers uh, those traditional daggers and so on there was a lot of of interaction people uh, discussing trading haggling prices uh, th- uh, those traditional cost uh, not costumes but traditional uh, garb of the people mm-hmm. there. And in a couple of shots, uh, I had this uh, Western man with a bright blue shirt <laughs> behind those people. Uh, well, I, at least in one occasion, I mean, I, I took a shot because the conversation that was very animated going on between these two people and I could not really, n- didn't have the time to move before they losing that moment. So I got that blue shirt in the back. And so there's always, I mean, convert to black and white, one thing, and <laughs> Photoshop clone stamp, uh, stamp clone <laughs> uh, can help. Uh, but yeah, being paying attention and getting it right in camera uh, is always uh, better.
1: That are, you know, are or, or thinking about showing that contrast of this more traditional and modern. You know, that's also another photo opportunity. It,
0: it can. In that case, it was just out of place. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I, fi- I fixed Depends. it. In, I fixed it in post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so th- this is about the, the spatial arrangement of uh, of subjects of things in your frame. Another very important thing is, we could say, is temporal arrangement. So uh, timing. Uh, which also ties into gesture. You wanted to to spend some words, some suggestions about how to uh, catch the moment or the decisive moment, as somebody would say.
1: Yeah, timing and anticipation is a huge part of uh, travel photography, certainly street photography, seeing a great background and waiting for someone or something interesting to walk into the scene, uh, to be a part of it. I say, you know, wait like a spider waiting for a fly to come into their web and you see a great background. If you have time, hang out there for a little while, get your exposure right. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but that point and shoot. So I say, get your exposure right for those conditions. Uh, You found this great background. There probably are other people walking by or something. Get your focus point right. Then when that decisive moment comes you're ready to just point and shoot and um, uh, I'll give you a couple examples but uh, we were in uh, one of the caravanserais in Fez Morocco last year and there was a a small door opening uh, to the the walkway outside sort of the sidewalk and I noticed people walking by and and camel carts and things like that and I just waited there and not very long but uh, you know because it was fairly busy and uh, I got this woman dressed in the traditional uh, Moroccan wear and um, you know in a nice step right through that doorway and that you know that was the decisive moment and i and and i think luck is a big part of photography uh you know it's it's 75 percent of it's being in the right place at the right time you know recognizing the opportunity uh, the remainder 25 is a little bit about the gear a little bit about experience but a lot about luck yeah. and so i was lucky when i got this woman like right in that doorway and uh, that's one of the shots I'll give you so that people can look at it in the show notes uh
0: you mentioned the step, and I think it's uh it's important and something that not many people know or care enough about. but when people are walking the the way they the moment you you photograph them the moment you freeze their movement, uh, whether their legs are in a certain position or another one can make all all of the difference can Can you give some Examples? Uh, when, when do you think is uh, gets is best?
1: Yeah, it's a good point, and uh, I. So in this case, the person was walking perpendicular to me, so across the frame, and so I wanted to see their legs spread, sort of in the you know midst yeah. of a, a step. So they're stretching that that front leg out, and the back leg is towards the back as opposed to their legs being overlapped as they pick up the one leg and move it forward and you'll see in this image what I'm talking about but uh, to me that that makes for a, a much better shot uh, also um, you know even having their if you're shooting it maybe off to a quarter angle maybe that back foot you can just see the bottom of their foot as, as they lift it up to bring it forward uh, so, I, I think, you know, if people look at photographs that they've taken or other people have taken, you'll, you'll know exactly what we're referring to if we're not explaining, if I'm not explaining it very well.
0: Yeah, another way to explain it would be that there needs to be some separation between the legs. So stra-
1: yeah, the overlap. Leg, st- yeah, straight, straight, no
0: overlap. Le- straight legs, the, the forward foot is about to hit the ground or just mm-hmm. just hit the ground. And the hind leg, or we call it the, the leg that the leg behind, is still uh, on the on the ground. Typically, exactly that works best. Yeah, good uh, for for whatever reason. I mean, we're just mm-hmm. more pleasing to the eye. Again, right. another psychological phenomenon that we cannot explain, but it just works that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. Another uh, yeah.
1: excuse me, another another. Speaking of timing, uh, another shot that I made that I put in the presentation is in Romania where this man is sharpening his his uh, scythe blade that he uses to cut down the hay, and so he's running that sharpener across this very large blade, and it's going across his face, and so the timing was to get it so it wasn't right in the middle of his face, but was revealing his face and i could show that an example of that picture too but that's really about timing and uh, you'll get better at doing these things and getting it in fewer shots but at the beginning just take a lot of shots if you need to especially in that situation where someone's doing something very fast like that and it takes practice to get it you know get that positioning right
0: yeah, if you don't have time, I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong about putting your camera into rapid fire mode mm-hmm. and shooting a scene. Especially if your subject is moving very fast, it will be very hard to catch it, catch him at the right moment. Yeah. Uh, ma- many cameras, unless they are very professional cameras used for sports, which that have a uh, negligible shutter lag. Many consumer cameras have a shutter lag of a fraction of a second. So. Fast movement and if you press the shutter when the movement you see through the viewfinder, the, the right position and you press the shutter, actually the shutter maybe goes off half a second later mm-hmm. and it's a completely different position. So yeah. you can anticipate that and you know your camera will lag and you anticipate that or you just go rapid fire and one of the sequence will probably be good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, using the tools that we have.
1: Yeah, shooting on continuous, rapid fire, yep.
0: Okay, I've got a siren coming up here. Just let it pass. I can't hear it. Oh, good. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, One more suggestion is... uh, I see sometimes people's photos, uh, maybe they ask for critique... Uh, and they try, they tend to stay too far away from the subject because they are shy or scared. So, how can you overcome that natural shyness and get close to your subject and maybe interact with them? They don't want to uh, make it look like you're shooting fish in an aquarium.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, certainly uh, the best part of what I do. And travel that I do is meeting the locals and getting to know them even if on a, a very surface level uh, oftentimes it's just me and the person and neither of us speaks the other's language and it's a lot of hand gestures and things like that but we could still have a good time but uh, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm often with a, a local guide or someone that can interpret not only the local customs and culture Give me some history, give my group some history, but also introduce us to people, get us into places that we normally wouldn't be able to get into, translate. Uh, I like to ask questions to the interpreter of the person that I'm photographing, and I think it's important to know that more often than not, those people are very interested in us as well, and so they will often ask the guide questions of us or me, if I'm by myself. And so I, that takes some of the pressure off is that, you know, oftentimes these people are as, as interested in us as we are of them. And, uh, Morocco speaking of Morocco is known as a place where it can be difficult to photograph the people, but I've had very good luck there photographing people and uh, it's a very regional thing I've had better luck in Casablanca than I have in Marrakesh and so um, but I've still gotten great shots in both places and uh, just trying to meet the people have it have an interest in them show interest in them uh, not just take out this big bazooka lens and shove it in their face but being respectful of course uh i think that's going to help you get shots anywhere in the
0: world yeah i definitely second that uh feeling about morocco uh, especially if you uh, just just your first interaction If somebody is trying to take their photo they will generally get a be a little bit upset or even quite upset about it or they will just say no uh, whereas if you start with some conversation and I know it can be difficult because most of them speak either Arabic or French. And if you don't speak either of those languages, it can be more difficult. But I don't speak a lot of French and I speak zero. I speak two words in Arabic. But um, I mean, yeah, just mastering my best French with, with some of those people. like started a conversation and then in the end asking if I could take their photo. I had much better chances of success than just asking for a photo straight away. Yep.
1: So what are the what are the two words? Shukran and uh
0: Afwan. Or no, three words. Shukran which is be thank you. Afwan, uh, you're welcome. And Salam alaikum, so which is peace be with you or which you use as a greeting just to say hello.
1: How about inshallah?
0: Oh yeah, uh, what's that? Inshallah. Uh, um, uh, it's like
1: uh, God, God, will. God willing, God willing. Yeah. <laughs> you hear that a lot. Yep. I'll see you later. Inshallah, <laughs> God willing. <laughs>
0: True. I should learn more Arabic. I will. <laughs> I'm going back to Oman. I should learn more words.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. All
0: right. So, any other tips or suggestions that you want to? Uh, I think we covered quite a lot of ground here. But uh, if there's anything else, otherwise, people would just uh, be well advised to to attend your webinar, which is free, by the way. We didn't say
1: that. But Yeah, please come out February 20th and I'll be doing it uh, periodically. I'm going to uh, take uh, some of the other presentations that I've done in the past and turn those into free webinars. I just want to get this information out there. I, you know, I just love helping people to get more and better images of their travels. And so I, I really uh, kind of, got turned on to this webinar online course uh, realm over the past year or so as I created my tour organizer training course. And just these webinars are just such a great way to reach a big audience and to provide valuable information that people can really use so uh, keep an eye out if people want to join my mailing list just go to the com and there should be a pop-up there you get my 150 plus page ebook as a little bonus for registering that's my 101 tips for developing your photographic eye and more so you get that but uh, then I'll also try to keep you posted on things that are coming up but um, more I really actually do do more of that on my Facebook page so if people want to friend me on Facebook just slash Ralph Velasco and uh, I post a lot of things there because I don't put out too many mass emails maybe once every month or two but uh, if I could just briefly go back to that point and shoot idea again Mm -hmm. being ready is so important and I and I say point and shoot get your camera into a point and shoot mode and by that I don't necessarily mean full auto but if that gets you the shot that's fine I don't care what mode you shot in as long as you got the shot Uh, If you are a little bit more advanced in maybe shooting aperture priority, which is what I do, I shoot uh, aperture priority, so I choose the aperture, camera tells me the corresponding shutter speed, I shoot auto ISO and auto white balance. Um, Now, there's some controversy about that, but it's worked well for me, and I want to be ready to point and shoot. I shoot very quickly. If, if you ever get out and shoot with me, you'll notice that I shoot very quickly because when we're shooting travel photography and street photography, these moments are not going to wait around for you. And so you have to be ready and prepared and have the exposure right. And if you and I'll see people on my trip sometimes uh, at the beginning of the trip and I see them just fumbling around for settings and and I could see the wheels turning in their head. They're trying, you know, aperture ISO, you know, that that, you know, that exposure triangle and, and all these calculations are going through their head and that moment is long gone. So I say, get your camera into a point-and-shoot mode. Now all you have to do is recognize a photo opportunity and point-and-shoot and get it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if I'm walking around the city, I'm in aperture priority, like 99% of the time. I'm an auto ISO. Most recent cameras do great with uh, um, high ISO. So there's no, I typically my, go to setting for doing street shooting in setting my camera to uh, minimum shutter, sp- aperture priority, whatever works for the specific scene, uh, minimum shutter speed of 125th of a second and all ISO up to 6400 ISO. Uh, and that works great for for most situations, maybe fails a bit at night, but yeah, if during the day or even the evening works great. So uh, and I don't care. I mean, typically I don't care what the. It's point and shoot. I know I got my camera set there, and I know it will it will work most of the time. But if people yep. are are confused, like they you don't know what aperture to choose, put it in P mode, which means the camera gets the the aperture and the shutter speed for you and auto ISO as well. Uh, um, it, it's more important to get the shot than to get the perfect exposure. And the those cameras, modern cameras, will get you a perfect exposure anyway. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and uh, you know, like I say, you know, getting the shot in the first place is the most important thing. And I'm not, you know, I'm not big on, you know, hey, I'll just fix it in post processing. Mm -hmm. But to some extent, you know, that is true. And you know, you got to get the shot in the first place, uh, or you could, you know, be a purist and and say, well, no, I'm just going to get it right in camera. You're going to get less shots and, and you know, maybe... Uh, yeah, if you're, uh, if, yeah. You're,
0: if you're very good, you can go around with the like and shoot everything in manual mode and manual mm-hmm. focus. But if you are very good, uh, yeah. as you said, if you need fumble with your settings because you don't know which setting to use and you don't even know how to change the ISO because you forgot where the dial is, you <laughs> will miss the shot. So l- let the camera do its auto thing uh and when you learn and you grow you will uh, you will learn how to adjust your settings quickly to get the effect you want uh more precisely but if there's no there's no shame in shooting in p mode i think p is not at professional, all right
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly no not at all i mean like i said i, I don't care what mode you shoot in uh, as long as you get the shot and uh practice on a an area where it has similar lighting conditions and make sure you got everything right and then when that decisive moment happens just point and shoot
0: and it's and, uh, and, yeah it's uh, I mean if somebody has to spend their precious uh brain energy they should concentrate on what we mentioned before timing composition getting the right moment avoiding distractions and so on all these take away from our attention, if we have to, those has to com- have to compete with what are my settings, what settings should I use, uh, you're going to m- miss some of those. You're going to get busy backgrounds. You're going to get distractions. You're not going to get the decisive moment. And while you can fix in post the exposure to a certain extent, you cannot fix in post things like having missed the decisive moment. There's no way you can fix that. Yeah. Well, sometimes you can fix a pole sticking out of somebody's head, but if you have to do it on a on hundred photos, it can become a bit tedious.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'd rather be behind the camera than in front of a computer any day.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. Great. So I think we yeah we've given some uh, really useful uh, suggestions today. Uh, so. Uh, If our listeners uh, like this, I think the best way to pay it forward is to share this episode with your followers. Uh, You can also follow us on on Facebook, uh, the Travelling Image Makers. We have our page where we share all of our episodes. So the best way for for you to help us uh, to get us uh, uh, more exposure is to just uh, share our episodes, our Facebook posts uh, and... uh, and anything, and also another thing would be to leave us a review uh, on iTunes. Uh, you can go to ttim.photo slash iTunes for that. And for Facebook, uh, you can search, or you can just go to uh, ttim.photo slash Facebook. This will take you straight to our Facebook page. You can like it, and you can reshare uh, this episode and the others that you liked with your friends and followers.
1: And don't forget to join our, our photo contest that we have every two months. Uh, we're getting some really wonderful shots there. Uh, I think it's getting harder and harder to choose one image out of all the high-quality images that we're getting. But uh, we'd love to see more of your photography. And uh, please join the the, the group. And, uh, I, I hope that people will come out on February 20th for that webinar. We're going to delve much deeper. You're going to have, you know, going to be seeing the photographs and, and examples that I'm talking about. You'll be able to see them on the screen. And, uh, I, I think you'll get a lot out of it. And I hope to do this more often.
0: Great. So that's really all now. And, uh, let's go out and shoot.